Welcome to Comedia del Cinema, the podcast that explores the making of and legacy behind some of comedy's greatest films, and also the puffy chair. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan Wold. I'm your other host, Emily Walborn. And I don't mean to rag on this movie. I, you know, I actually like it pretty well, but it's merely not one of, you know, no. comedy's greatest films. It, it's funny, I was reading the uh, description for this episode today for something, and it's like, oh, we say comedy classics. Well, that's certainly not what we've been doing for this last one. And Bumblecore, I don't know if com- are comedy classics. I would say, if any, our puffy chair is certainly is a Mumblecore classic. Mumblecore classic comedy question mark. It's a comedy. I'd say this is I, more of a comedy than Funny Haha. I strongly disagree. Oh, God. But we'll get into that. Okay. Puffy Chair came out in 2005. What else came out in 2005? You got Kicking and Screaming. Mm-hmm. The Will Ferrell one, not the Noah Baumbach one. You've got Bewitched. The mm-hmm. Will Ferrell one, not the 1960 sitcom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got... First movie we ever covered on this podcast, 40-Year-Old Virgin. Exactly. Um, what else? What else do we have? We've got some, in some in terms of indies, we've got Squid and the Whale, mm-hmm. the Noah Baumbach one, not the Will Ferrell mm-hmm. one. We've got Junebug with Amy Adams. Yep, of Talladega Nights. You, me, and everyone we know, which I feel like I've thought about watching a lot. I don't remember what it's about, but it does sound very, that's a... Perfect title for a 2005 indie movie. The Twee movie. You know, one of the main child actors in that movie went to Emerson and was a year younger than us and um, got a callback for CCC. I didn't accept him. Well, that's a brag for you then, huh? Well, he probably auditioned for years and didn't get a callback. Doubtful. We didn't get a lot of men (laughs) auditioned for us. Mm -hmm. Well... That requires some introspection on their part, then. I would say so. Okay. The Puffy Chair. Who wrote and directed this? Well, if you look at the credits, it'll say Jay Duplass directed it. But in Mm -hmm. fact, the Duplass brothers directed and wrote and produced it together. And one of them was even in it. Yeah. Uh, So Jay is the older brother, and Mark is the younger one. And the way they talked about their relation, their working relationship, at least at the time, I think it's changed quite a bit, was Mark would be a little bit more of the first pass at sort of the scripts and treatment and break a lot of the story. Jay would come in and refine it a lot later. Um, And then when they're making the movie, it's both of them together, but Jay was more responsible for the actual look, um, as well as a bit more in editing. So he's maybe slightly more the director, but they seem to have pretty equal collaborative share on it. Um, stars Mark Duplass and his then fiance Katie Aselton. Asselton. He turned that fiance into a wife not too long after. Mm-hmm. He wanted to put a ring on it, so he did. Um, and also their friend Rhett Wilkins, the star of the film. Well, not, not the lead, but I think the breakout. I think definitely the best one. Um, also, briefly, stars um, Cindy and whatever. Larry, yeah, Duplass, yeah. The, the financiers and executive producers. I.e. 
their parents. Mm -hmm. So this was their first full-length movie they produced. They started in shorts, mm -hmm. had a couple of shorts in Sundance, mm -hmm. had agents, um, you know. It was looking good for them, I'd say. Mm -hmm. And then apparently Sundance called them and said, we can't, we don't want any more shorts from you. We'd like to see an actual feature. And so they brought this script to their agents. Their agents said, hey, we could probably package this um, and get you a couple million to make it. And they said, what's packaging? And for those that don't know, packaging is pretty much when, well, it used to be a practice when agents mm -hmm. would uh, make a nice little package out of a out of a movie, so they'd have, uh, you know, their writer director that were their clients, and they'd package it with a couple of their their actor clients that they had. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes then the agency would also produce it, um, and they'd make a pretty little penny off of it, mm -hmm. um, essentially looking out for the agent's best interests rather than any of their clients' best interests. Yeah, and the supposed benefit to clients would be that they wouldn't have to give 10% to right. their agents, but often, you know, agencies would focus so much on packaging that pro projects would just not get made. And that's what they were worried, the Duplass brothers were worried about. They had talked to a lot of people that um, had packaging deals mm -hmm heard that they just kind of never went through. They were pretty nervous about how long it would take. Um, so they went to their parents and asked them for 15 grand uh, to make a movie. Mm. And their parents gave that to them. I watched a clip of them talking at the Academy um, about it. That's the Academy of Arts and Sciences. That's right. Um, That's right. So, so it's, it's a place for women in STEM. <laughs> and they said that, you know, their parents, it was an easier decision for them because they had had shorts and Sundance. <laughs> so that made it feel better for their parents to give them that money and not just the fact that they were their parents. So yeah. the, the thing that kind of bothered me mm -hmm. <laughs> about these two when they yeah. were talking about it, they never really acknowledged that that is a lot of money for a parent, like mm -hmm. for families to give that to. I think they, I don't know if you've seen anywhere they, where they've kind of acknowledged that privilege. Not that they have to, but just when they were talking about it, mm -hmm. they were like, yeah, more parents should really like back their kids like our parents backed us. And I was like, I don't think most families have $15,000 to give kids to make their movies. In a lot of cases, no. But I mean, if that's it, that's kind of a, a paltry sum compared to, say, what? most parents would pay for their children to attend four years of Emerson College. And now that's true. It would be like 15K compared to like yeah. 300,000. Now, Jay does have an MFA in Oh, they, film. they like, both they went both, to UT Austin, so yeah. there's a good chance their parents paid for that as well. Yeah. But the 15K, it's like that's a, a big thing to just give your kids. Mm -hmm. But ultimately it is, I would say – it's fine. It is financially equivalent to buying your kid a car, too. Sure. You know. Yeah. Yes, but I think something less practical. Oh, that, def you know, definitely. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just the way that they were talking about it made me think. Like, I don't know that you guys are fully wrapping your head around how, for a lot of 
people, that's just not a reality. And so to mm-hmm. say, like, this is the best way to do it mm-hmm. isn't really true. Oh, yeah. For, for a lot of people, absolutely not. Um, Mark Maron, actually, I think I think it was meant in jest, but he roasted Mark Duplass on Twitter a few weeks ago um, because Mark Duplass mentioned how watching movies is the best film school. And he was saying how you just watch Well, if you watch enough movies, you'll know basically how to make a movie. And Mark said, great. So then do we just come to you to, to give us the money to make it? Uh, which, yeah, is, is a good point. Yeah, that is a good point. Um, and to be fair, in many cases, yes, indie filmmakers can and do actually go, go to, to the, the Duplass, Duplass brothers. Yes, for them, to give them But yeah. Well, all that aside, 15000 was the budget for this movie. Mm-hmm. They paid their actors $100 a day. Mm-hmm. Mark was in a band, so he had the van. That mm-hmm. is pretty central to the story, mm-hmm. seeing as it's a road trip movie. Yeah. Um, they stayed at Katie, Katie Asselton's. Asselton, Asselton. Asselton's family's house in their small main town. Yeah. It sounds like her they dad... Film. Like hooked them up with a lot of filming locations around town. Well, yeah, that um, movie theater they go to is in that town, and they're pretending yeah. it's in North Carolina. Yes, yeah, they filmed mostly in um, Maine. It sounds like. Excuse me, I am on air looking up how you pronounce Katie Asselton right, because I don't want us to go back and forth. You know, let's hear it. Katie Asselton. 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 All right, good on her for not pretending. Otherwise, you know, <laughs> we're not pretending. And uh, <laughs> does, she doesn't have ass in her name. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, they're they're definitely people I would say we're familiar with from film school. They kind of mm-hmm. have that energy. Um, you know, they definitely have said that they really hustled and worked hard to get to that point. You know. Yeah, I mean, they'd, they'd had their own business, uh, like locally producing um, industrial videos and commercials for, mm-hmm. I think, for close to 10 years um, leading up to this. So they definitely put in time technically, which is interesting because then I assume all of those mo- industrial and local commercials were much more polished mm-hmm. uh, than this movie. <laughs> yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. So the puffy chair, what is it about? It's about, and I'm I'm not really gonna make an effort to remember the characters' names because their characters were written specifically for the actors. So, mm-hmm. um, it's Mark Duplass has been dating Katie Asselton for a while. He used to be Asselton. Asselton. Oh God. Sorry, mm-hmm. Katie. Um. He used to be a musician, now he's switching to booking bands. It seems to be something that he's trying to be okay with, but you never know. Um, I have a feeling that was fairly close to home for Mr. Mark Duplass. Mm-hmm. Um, his his girlfriend really would like him to propose in a character that I could describe as Leslie Man Light. Um... <laughs> He, Mark Duplass plans on going on a road trip to buy a puffy chair for his father's birthday that would uh, 
remind all of them of a chair that they had growing up. And he does not want anyone to go on the trip with him, but he eventually allows Katie Asselton to come with him. Along the way, they stop to just visit his brother, Rhett, played by Rhett Wilkinson. But of course, Rhett comes with him too. Along the way, they get into some wacky hijinks, like trying to convince a a hotel front office lady that there is only one person staying in the hotel, but in fact, there are three. And And, uh, realizing that the puffy chair was improperly advertised, and it's in fact quite dirty and gnarly. And then, of course, attacking the man doing the upholstery. Uh, because it's not done yet. And then eventually, our main couple breaks up. Yeah, so you think it's a comedy, huh? I'd say so. It, to me, it feels like kind of a... Um, uh, kind of a, Not classic, but it's got a lot of the hallmarks of a road, mm-hmm. road comedy. Um, sort of episodic sequences mm-hmm. that... I think are at least intended to be sort of the the lo-fi version of a comedic set piece. The hotel sequence is is pretty extended, um, a pretty extended example of that. I think um, also just the the rat character is kind of um, again the mumblecore version of the wild card mm-hmm. in the gang, like him going off and getting married to a woman that he meets in a movie theater is it's pretty tied into the emotion of the movie, but there are, are some basic comedic conceits there. I definitely think Rhett's the funniest part of the movie. I just didn't find most of the dialogue funny. Not mm-hmm. that it, you know, like I found it just dramatic. Mm-hmm. I'd say I found it to be more, of a drama than a comedy, like a heavier dramedy, like very light on the comedy. Mm. Uh, yeah, I found it a bit more balanced, I think. Um, if you know, I did think it almost veers into melodrama in the Mumblecore version yes, of melodrama quite often, yeah. which makes it feel a bit heavier at times. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Overall, it feels kind of just Mumblecore through and through. Which can kind of toggle. In which is way. interesting because it the stakes of this one were a lot higher. Mm-hmm. There's more emotional stakes. More emotions are expressed. I'd say in this one as as opposed to funny haha. Yeah, characters have clear either wants or things they're running away from in in ways that make it a much more kind of traditional narrative. Yes, which I think. It was it that which that was interesting to see that kind of that side of Mumblecore. Mm. Um, again, I haven't seen that those kinds in a while. Whereas I feel like Funny Haha, I kind of liked. I liked more because it was so naturalistic. Mm-hmm. It it lent itself to that kind of comedy a lot mm-hmm. better. Whereas this one, it was quite a bit more plot heavy, like you said, mm-hmm. like a road comedy, and greater emotional stakes with the relationship that I didn't always buy into. No. Sometimes I 
sometimes I really did, and then sometimes I felt, it felt really fake. I don't know. That kind of toggled back and forth. Every fight they had, I didn't really buy. The um, I think the very first one mostly worked for me, even though the uh, the TV shoving didn't really. When she flips the table. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty. That felt surprising. a bit big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the core of their relationship obviously is something that a lot of people go through, or and I imagine those two maybe were at the time, or at the very least, probably new couples. Mm-hmm. Um, who were so it's definitely rooted in something authentic, but it feel it's kind of it's just so um, it's pretty repetitive. They and I think the it was repetitive because both of them kind of felt like oversimplified characters in a rom com. Mm-hmm. Like he was the classic guy that just can't commit, and he's got his band, and you know. Mm-hmm. And, he likes to just go out and go down, you know, drive across the country and mm. can he be tied down? Mm-hmm. And then she was she was a very classic oversimplified girlfriend that mm-hmm. likes to uh, you didn't say anything about how beautiful I was today. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it just uh, like some of the individual just like moments in their fights felt very authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of just the overall characters I didn't really buy and I was kind of surprised that they broke up at the end Mm. I it's not all that surprising but I was like I I guess I don't know enough really about either of these characters to really get a sense of what they're thinking fair enough I think that the biggest like fight moment that works best is not directly between Mark Duplass and Katie Asselton, but in the diner the day after, um, Rhett and this movie theater girl get fake married, mm-hmm. um, and he uh, announces that they're that they're not together anymore after mm-hmm. some prodding. I think that bit is maybe where the movie should have gone more, even though it's that's not necessarily a very subdued moment mm-hmm. either, but. But the way she gets upset with with Rhett um, yeah. and asks him, you know, why he's not taking it seriously, I think that as a character moment is pretty good. That worked. I just feel like I didn't, and it's not uh, not uncommon for rom coms to not know much about the characters outside of their love life. Mm-hmm. But for something so naturalistic, I really felt like I didn't get nearly any personal growth Mm -hmm. and that we just kind of saw them completely, their relationship completely collapse, Mm -hmm. which can be an interesting movie. You know, modern romance, I think definitely does this Mm -hmm. kind of toxic toxic couple couple a lot better. Yeah. Um, But that one also isn't very naturalistic. No. Um, it's more out and out com- comedic. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But that that one feels more, almost more authentic to me because 
we get such a, a strong sense of who he is as a character. Yeah, well, you and grow into his psyche so much that so it feels much. so real. And the fact that you kind of don't know much about her mm-hmm. is just a reflection of of his character. Mm-hmm. That he's so self-absorbed that we right. really don't know much about what his girlfriend even does, even but we just know she makes a lot of big deals. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that works a lot better for me as opposed to this one where they both were just so, I don't know. It was repetitive. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, just not really learning too much about them. Do we know what Katie Asselton's character does? No, I was like, can she leave for a few question. days and go on this road trip? Yeah. Does she have to work? Is she an actor? Like what is, what is the deal? And then it was like, you know, they, they tried to save month, save $10 by pretending there was one person in the room instead of three. And I was like, does she not have any money that she could spot him 10? Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't know. It's just some of the moments they didn't really buy. Just, I don't know. Some of the character stuff just didn't really feel thought out to me. That moment, I think, is played to an extreme that doesn't feel natural. But I, yeah. I buy the core of it, which is just this guy wants to save a little, even a tiny bit of money. Maybe yeah. more even on a principle of just like, fucker, I want to pay for one. Yeah. But. That's the thing, too, with, with his character. I think he did have that whole underlying like principle kind of rage against mm-hmm. authority and whatever. I just, it, <laughs> I don't know that they really were able to bring that out from the beginning, though. Because when mm-hmm. it all culminates in him just destroying this upholstery guy mm-hmm. for almost no good reason other than it's late and yeah. he's mad about that. Right. It, it was kind of like, is this supposed to be a big character moment for him? Is this supposed to be a big character growth moment for him? Like, are we supposed to think, oh, he's always angry but never does anything about it? Because I, I, I wasn't really sure how to read that moment. I don't know that it's character growth so much as it's just, um, yeah, that's, that's a good point. I I mean, it probably, it feels a little bit like a preordained beat that they just had to get to, but from the character, I think it's maybe, if I'm being generous, it's that there are so few things he's sure about. Mm-hmm. but he had his mindset on getting the chair. Mm-hmm. So he'll do anything to to at least stick with that plan because he he doesn't really know how he feels about the bigger things yeah. in his life. But, uh, you know, yeah, they don't really earn that. I think that brings up a good point, though, because I'll be curious to see how other mumblecore writers and directors do it because i feel like because the script was so improvised Mm -hmm. they did have those really big beats that they planned Mm -hmm. so it it almost does feel like well in order to earn rhett lighting the chair on fire Mm -hmm. he does have to blow up at the guy you know and it just i feel like the script Mm -hmm. kind of and the characters kind of are are written around those moments yeah, rather than the other, the other way around of mm-hmm. the characters determining 
what yeah. should happen in the story. Yeah, I think that's definitely, definitely the case here. So I'm sure that they, I mean, we've seen other Duplass movies, so, I mean, they obviously get a, quite a bit more skilled at directing oh, movies yeah. and mm-hmm. and doing improvised mumble course stuff. But I think it'll be interesting to kind of see in our our next couple of mumblecore movies if the directors and writers have similar issues with that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I, I imagine some do, and then some have the opposite mm-hmm. problem of it's so character-based mm-hmm. that... Nothing fucking that happens. Nothing happens at all. <laughs> yeah. Those are probably my least favorite kind of mumblecore. When nothing happens at all. You know, mumblecore, it, I'd say nearly every mumblecore movie starts at a base of 3.5. That's really interesting. For me. And there are very, very few that I actively, like, love. I don't know if any. But mm-hmm. I just, I, I do have such fond memories of just, like, finding out what mumblecore is as a teenager and just thinking oh this is cool because this is different sure even if it's just the in some cases the aesthetic trappings of shooting it more documentary style there's something that i just find really relaxing about about these movies maybe because they're different and yet they're all they're different from hollywood like products but so similar to each other in a way that's you can all you could almost play bingo with mumblecore of okay is this guy a musician a graphic designer the hallmarks of the genre i just find so free spaces that they all have to be white yeah uh, <laughs> i mean that's true uh, there is not a lot of diversity in mumblecore which you know they this is their texas Texas fellas who are mm-hmm. making it with their friends makes some sense, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One one other just little acting moment um, from this, from Katie Esselton that I did think was really good was in the kind of overwrought scene where Mark Duplass is playing the song for her. I, like, the song sucks, but mm-hmm. I think there's a moment where she looks at him and is wrong. But looking at him thinking in the moment, oh, like this is a sign that he's sure about me. Um, Mm -hmm. And and sorry, it's more in the case when when he's doing the vows, actually, um, Mm -hmm. for his brother's wedding. Uh, I think it's more complicated than most of her performance is Mm -hmm. where she has this faith in this guy and it's completely unfounded. but I think moments like that are where mumblecore can really shine. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's why I did really like Funny Haha ha compared to this one. I think because the lead in that one was so good at like mm-hmm. at showing everything that was internalized and mm-hmm. not having to say much about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what what is when mumblecore is really great is when the like the actors and the script and the you know the kind of nothingness of it really work. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this one, it was like the acting was just a little bit more overt mm-hmm. and the writing was a bit more overt, maybe because they were improvising it. I don't mm-hmm. know. 
Interestingly, I, I feel I feel like Funny Haha grew for you really quickly yeah. overnight, which, you know, there's something in that actress's performance, because I remember afterwards, you didn't really think she was that good. But by the next day, well, I know, were... I know. I always thought she was good. I just didn't think she was so good at playing drunk in the first scene. Oh, well, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Which, Which I think drunk, very, drunk acting is very hard to do. Mm-hmm. But no, I always liked her performance. Okay, I, fair enough. It was just that one scene that I just didn't think she was very good at being drunk. <laughs> you know, they they may even have gotten her drunk for the scene. Uh, it's possible that she just has a weird kind of... It's very possible. It's very possible. Yeah, I think... Um, I don't know, his... Andrew... Andrew Bialski's... Bialski's use of non actors kind of worked a little bit mm-hmm. better for mumblecore than, than this use of actual than actors who rightly so want to act it, right you know yeah yeah but i think the kind of stilted awkwardness of a lot of the people in funny haha make it more interesting yeah it's i think it's definitely a more interesting movie should we talk a bit about what happened with it? Sure. Well, of course, it goes to Sundance. Um, Almost like they wanted it from them. It's so weird. They, As independent filmmakers, strangely enough, they had this idea that Sundance would be a good place for their work to go. Um, I think the most interesting element of this movie's release is the fact that it was the very first Netflix original. Yeah. Under Mr. Ted Sarandos mm-hmm. himself, Teddy S. Yeah. Uh, under their red envelope releasing mm-hmm. label, which lasted like three years, they worked with Roadside Attractions, which still exists, to do the actual theatrical release. But it was almost guaranteed to make a profit because of the home video side of it that Netflix was more in charge of. But I mean, Ted Sarandos. Is a CEO, so I'm not a fan of the guy, but but very smart of him to kind of bet on the Duplasses this early, and then later on, they become a pretty key part of the the indie aspect of Netflix. Well, and what's interesting too, it's kind of like the very first streamer buying a movie from Sundance, mm-hmm. which is now pretty much what happens <laughs> to to most of, of them. Yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, obviously, also jumpstarts the Duplass's career. Mm-hmm. They, ha, um, in 2015, they had an overall deal with HBO, you know, mm-hmm. so and they did some TV stuff. They did They did a show called one o- Room 104, mm-hmm. which is the hotel room that they're in in this movie. I see. The puffy chair room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they do quite well, and they create a little, from what I've heard, a kind of a little community of artists that they make movies with and, mm-hmm. and they finance other small mumblecore type movies like Cooper Rafe's movie. Yeah. yeah. They had a really good run from in the late 2000s through the early 2010s. Mm-hmm. I would say they were directing constantly. They've both taken a pretty big step back from actually directing they haven't done that in a long time. Mm-hmm. Now they both act and produce mm-hmm. quite frequently. I probably, well, 
probably wouldn't have been that late that we would have watched them do plot stuff, I'm sure, before. But I mostly know them from the mini project. <laughs> I'd say. You know, technically speaking... And I think you had to tell me that those were the two Plus brothers. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's, it's interesting because just based on the amount of people who at the time watched network TV, more people had probably seen them on the Mindy Project mm-hmm. than in anything else, and yet people who know the name the Duplass brothers might not associate them with the Mindy Project. I'm that one person that thinks of them as both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you too. Yeah, mostly because of you. But they, <laughs> but they were in a lot of the Mindy Project. They're in a lot of it. Yeah. They have pretty big storylines. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh... At one point, they, they, they signed Mindy on as their, like, OBGYN for their practice so that they can seem more credible. That's mm. quite a funny little storyline. Hilarious. To their mumble core. <laughs> they they doula. insisted that Mindy let them improvise in their mumble core style. Mm. Mindy who packs her jokes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> head to toe with jokes. Mindy doing a mumble core would be insane. It would just be very funny. It would be kind of curb level, I would imagine. Yeah. You know? You know, curb actually is it probably of, directly related to Mumblecore in a way. Mumbles, they called those kinds of shows Mumble Series. Mm. So, I think. So, um, I, w- I was just thinking that actually Curb has a lot of similar similarities with uh, Mumblecore. Do you think Larry David knows what Mumblecore is, though? No. Yeah. As he no, shouldn't. and if he heard it, he'd he'd have quite a snarky response, I'd imagine. Yeah. Anyway, the movie does pretty well, all things considered, um, in that it helps kick off the wave of Mumblecore for years and years. It gets strong, not rapturous, but but good reviews. Um, nominated for the Cassavetes Award. I feel like people either liked the kind of style Mumblecore was or didn't like it, you know. Yeah, I mean, the way the way J two J two plus talks a little bit about the movies they made, and this is circa when this movie actually comes out, is just I love Cassavetes and want to make films like that, but funny. Okay, yeah, they said that a really big biggest inspiration for making movies is Raising Arizona, which I haven't seen, oh. but it's also a brother duo. Mm-hmm. The Coens, famously. Yeah. Well, and, uh, yeah, I read somewhere that they said they've been trying to make more Coen brothers movies for a long time before they shifted gears to this sort of approach. Mm-hmm. Which I assume means sort of zany crime comedies with yeah. over-the-top characters. And, I, yeah, I, I think there's a, some of that is going to remain sort of in the in the mix when you then try to shift in the other direction. Yeah. Cause it just like when I read that and then I watched puffy chair, I really didn't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> other than the fact that it racing Arizona was also directed by two brothers. Yeah. And that must be inspirational to them. It'll be interesting if they ever start to hate each other. That would be, be a, a cool. Have feature. you read their book? What? Have you read their book? Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> I read it. I read the book and thought, this could have been an email. 
<laughs> a very long email. <laughs> <laughs> this could have been a pamphlet. <laughs> this could have been a 200-page pamphlet. Why is this book? <laughs> all in all, what are we doing next week? All in all, wait. What did <laughs> what? you What did you end up giving this movie? I gave it a three and a half. Okay, it was a bit lower for you though than than funny, funny haha. Ha. Yeah, but yeah. If anything, funny haha might might get risen to a four. Might go up to a six. <laughs> well, next week we are talking about. Someone that I'd say a lot of people don't like, but maybe is starting to to come back into favor with some folks. Uh-huh. Miss Miss Lena Dunham's Tiny Furniture, the movie that uh, got her girls pretty much. So, mm-hmm. and so if you're looking the movie up um, for where to watch it, just know the full title is Miss Lena Dunham's Tiny Furniture, where she <laughs> got her girls. Yeah, that's exactly it. This movie, Tiny Furniture, stayed in my Netflix queue for probably two years, and I never watched it. I started it in, like, 2012 and watched maybe five minutes of it. Mm -hmm. Didn't turn it off because it was awful, but it was Mumblecore, and I wasn't in the mood. You didn't have to be in a certain mood to watch Mumblecore sometimes. Often I don't, but apparently on that day. Mm -hmm. But I watched it as a result of Girls. I see. See, I knew about, I've never seen Girls, but I knew about Girls when I was like, and I, you know, was very interested in Lena Dunham. And I just never got around to it. Hmm. Well, okay, Lena fans, don't, don't worry. We're going in with an open mind. I mostly like Lena. I don't hate her. I, I, uh, yeah. I just think it's weird how, like many female actors and creators, she got shit on relentlessly yeah. for years and years. She did do some pretty wild she, stuff. Though. She did she do did some, some pretty, pretty wild and some pretty bad stuff. Said some pretty not good things. Uh huh. <laughs> but now, at least in the totally fake internet circles, it does feel like the pendulum is swinging back way too far in the other yes. direction. Of actually, she's perfect. When no, she's a you know a, a messy lady who's made. Who's made good and bad choices, yeah. like most creators. Baxter, Baxter is crying because he loves Lena Dunham so much, mm-hmm. and he can't stand that we're slandering her so. We're not, Bax. He's Lena I'm very excited to fan. see Catherine called Birdie. I've heard that one's really good. You haven't even watched all the girls. Okay, well, uh, he... He wants to show us the girls' pilot real quick. So so we'll see you next week, everybody. Bye.